stories in numbers. Stories that will make you feel either good or bad, but in a nice way. But not everything can be captured by numbers. We need stories to make sense of the world we live in. Cuenta na may cuento. Stories in numbers. With Michael Cañares. Hi everyone, welcome back to Stories in Numbers. We are now in episode 5 and at this point in time I would like to thank everyone who have been listening to the podcast in the last 4 episodes. Thank you very much for supporting us. In this episode, we will continue discussing the results of the research that we did in Tagbilaran City in the island province of Bohol in Central Visayas in the Philippines. We would like to talk about the socio-economic impact of COVID-19 on its residents. If you can still remember, in the last four episodes, we talked about the impact of COVID-19 on business people, on workers and employees, and on tricycle drivers as a proxy for those that are working in the informal sector. This time around, in this episode, we will talk about the impact of COVID-19 on market vendors. And you might be asking me, why market vendors? As you can see, there are three public markets in Tagbilaran City. One is the Dao Central Public Market, located just right across the integrated bus terminal. Terminal that services different transportation companies whose routes are applying across the different municipalities across the whole island of the whole. We also have the Kogod Public Market and the Manga Public Market, famous among tourists because this is where the tourists go to buy fish and seafood either for lunch or dinner while they are visiting the city. So we wanted to assess whether or not market vendors are impacted by the crisis. As you can see, despite uh, limitations in mobility during the community quarantine, public markets are still open, primarily because these are selling basic necessities, food, for example, rice, fish, meat, to people. And they are considered as one of those basic essentials or businesses that are selling essential commodities. So a question that we would like to ask is, are those businesses that are actually still open while the community quarantine was imposed are still impacted by COVID-19 economically? That's an interesting question because you can see that even if these businesses that were allowed to be open during the lockdown are still experiencing negative impact on their profits or revenues, then it's very likely that those that were told to be closed because these are non-essential businesses will suffer all the more. So we surveyed 100 respondents across the three public markets. We had 53 from the all central public market, 29 from Kogon, and 18 from Manga. The number of respondents per public market is actually selected or was set based on the number of vendors that are actually selling in these markets. A lot of those that are selling in the Dao public market are selling meat, vegetables, fish, seafood, and other necessities. In the case of Kogon, a lot of them are actually selling fresh fruits and vegetables. While in Manga, close to 55% of the respondents are actually selling fish and seafood. If you look at the number of years that these businesses are actually operating, we can see that a lot of them have been operating for at least more than 10 years. As a matter of fact, it's roughly 60% of these market vendors have been there for quite a time. So that means to say that these are actually businesses, I should say, that have weathered through the ups and downs of the economy, not only in Tagbilaran City, but nationally as well. 
So the first question that we have to ask ourselves is whether or not there has been a decrease in income for these market vendors. Or to put it more correctly, whether there are decreases or increases in revenues as a consequence of the pandemic. Prior to COVID-19, these 100 market vendors earned income of at least 700,000 pesos. When the lockdown was imposed in Tagbilaran City, we noted a 63% decrease in revenues. So this just means to say that despite the fact that the market vendors were still left open during the community quarantine period, they're still earning less than what they used to earn prior to the lockdown. And so the question whether or not they recovered, the answer is yes. They recovered or they increased at least by 18% in terms of sales compared to the time that the lockdown was imposed. However, it's very clear here that they were not able to recover their sales figures prior to the pandemic. Because still, if you compare the amount of sales prior to the lockdown and the amount of sales currently, there's still a decrease of around 56%. So with this decrease in sales, a significant number of market vendors actually reported a decrease in income. 88% of those that we surveyed actually reported a significant decrease in income which led to their inability to manage the business well because of cash flow problems. As a consequence of this, the market vendors actually experienced delayed payments to its suppliers, brought about also by the fact that they experienced delayed payments from customers, especially those that are selling on account. So if you look at the results of this survey and compare that with what is actually happening or what we actually found out as regards employees, workers and informal workers in the city, you can see that they are actually impacted significantly still, despite the fact that they are open, primarily because people are decreasing their expenses. If you can remember our discussion on the impact of COVID-19 on informal workers, more particularly on tricycle drivers, a lot of them actually decreased their consumption on food. And that necessarily means that they're buying less. And therefore, the traders, the market vendors who are selling goods like rice, vegetables, meat, and fish and seafood, as a consequence, suffered a decrease in revenues. So how did the market vendors respond to this decrease in sales? A significant portion of them actually closed their shops earlier than usual. In the past, market vendors normally open, or prior to the pandemic, market vendors normally open their stores at around 5.30 to 6 o'clock in the morning and end up at around 7 in the evening. But because of lower sales, they were forced to actually close early. One reason for that is actually to save on wages. Because the longer the traders or their assistants will be spending time in the markets, the more wages they would have to pay. Another thing that they did was actually to decrease their orders from their suppliers. And at the same time, lessen the volume of items that they display in their stores. Because they were able to experience that people were buying less and less. So they selected those items that are still selling at higher volumes. And those were the things that they are actually selling in their stalls. 
To protect their liquidity position, the market vendors negotiated with suppliers regarding the terms of their payments. And for those who were having debts from lending companies or even from loan sharks, they requested for delayed payments of their debts or loans. Because they were not able to order more, and they're only able to open a few number of hours during the day, and because also that they lessen their volume of display, several market vendors also stopped acquiring or contracting debts to be able to, again, protect themselves from further liquidity bleeding. Unfortunately, and this I think confirms the results of our rapid job loss survey, some market vendors, around 11% of them, were actually forced to lay off their workers. So, you might be asking, what did the market vendors do to be able to cover up for the loss in revenue? So, a lot of the market vendors that we interviewed, as a matter of fact, around 70% of them lessened their use of basic utilities in their stores and at home. At the same time, they also looked for other sources of income. Around 30% of them engaged in other activities besides selling in their stalls. Some were selling plants, others were selling cooked food, and others were actually selling all other things that are unrelated to what they're actually selling in their stalls in the public markets. Because a lot of them are actually suffering from liquidity problems. At least a quarter of our market vendors actually borrowed money to be able to continue operating. So you might be asking, where did they borrow money? A significant portion of them, at least a third actually, borrowed money from lending companies, while some also borrowed from their friends. Others borrowed from cooperatives and relatives. But what is interesting is at least one out of 10 were actually forced to borrow from loan sharks who charges at least 10% monthly of the amount that they borrow. We asked them, what is the possibility that you will close your business in the next month, in the next three months, in the next six months? At least a third of the market vendors we surveyed said that they're not actually affected so much and may still continue to operate despite the decrease in revenue. What is actually sad about this is, like the results, of our survey of businesses, the younger ones or the ones that have been operating for less than five years are the ones that were likely close. So those that have been around for more than 10 years or so will not likely close. At least around 37% of the market vendors we surveyed said that they might close within the next month, within the next three months, or in the next six months. 20% of the market vendors we surveyed actually said during the time of the interview that they might close in the next month. And I think this is quite true. Why? Because during the lockdown and when the Philippine government imposed or the city government of Tagbilaran imposed a one quarantine pass for every household, I was the one who actually goes to the public market to buy our necessities. And over time, since March this year, I have seen how many market vendors have actually stopped selling goods. For example, one of those suppliers of meat that I buy from have closed like around two months ago. 
and one of those that supplied also eggs have closed at least three weeks ago. So what does it mean? This actually means that those that are able to withstand these crises are those that have stronger asset base, or in the vernacular, they call it laum o bulsa, or deep pockets, or those people who still have a lot of cash with them, are still very much liquid, have more assets to dispose of, can actually withstand this crisis. When asked what is it that they receive as a support as a consequence of this pandemic, we've seen that at least 84% of the market vendors we surveyed receive relief goods from the government. I think the city of Tagbilaran has distributed relief goods four times now. One of those distributed was actually a sack of rice. Several of the market vendors we interviewed, around 58%, actually received what we refer to as a social amelioration program, which is a program implemented by the Department of Social Welfare and Development. While 10% of market vendors we interviewed received relief goods from the private sector. When asked what is the support that they need from government, 70% of the market vendors we surveyed asked the government to defer the payment of government dues, like tax payments, withholding tax, value-added tax, social security system payments, as well as field health payments. We also asked government to stop, at least momentarily, the payment of utility bills like electricity, gas, and water. Others are also asking if government can give them payroll subsidy for their workers or low interest loans or subsidized loans so that they can continue operating their businesses. One out of 10 market vendors that we surveyed said that it would help them if government would buy their products or goods. Is it easy for them to access information regarding the assistance and benefits from government? Around 70% actually said it's not that easy while around only around 6% said that they find it easy to find information regarding government support. When we asked the market vendors what is it that they wanted government to do in so far as the fight against COVID-19 is concerned, like what we saw in the results of the survey of businesses and the survey of employees and workers, we actually wanted government to ensure that people are actually protected from contracting the virus. As a matter of fact, around 40% of them are asking government to provide them personal protective equipment as they are doing their business. They also wanted the government to protect health workers and other frontline personnel, as well as ensuring that the healthcare system will be able to absorb the needs for treatment of those who might possibly contract the virus. While they were also asking for economic packages or support from the city government, they emphasized that as much as possible, the government should focus its efforts in ensuring that it will be able to contain the spread of the virus. As mentioned, this is actually something which confirms what we saw in the results of the survey on businessmen, employees, and workers, where health measures 
uh, actually prioritize the, the respondents over and above economic measures. So these are the results that we gathered from our market vendors. And I think by now, we will be able to see that a significant pattern can actually be deduced or observed across the different methodologies that we used. First, there's agreement across the different respondents that COVID-19 actually significantly impacted their ability to earn, which actually led to the loss of jobs for employees and workers, the loss of income to informal workers, the loss of revenue on the part of businesses. And this time around, in the case of market vendors, a significant decrease in sales. Second, we have also seen that across respondents, there's a prioritization for health measures over and above economic measures. But I don't treat it as a choice between one over the other. I think it's about ensuring that significant resources are actually allocated for both. Protecting people from contracting the virus, but at the same time also ensuring that they're able to recover economically from the economic impact that they felt as a consequence of the continued lockdown in the economy. Third, we've seen that across the respondents, there's actually a need to protect their liquidity. On their own, the respondents actually tried to find ways to ensure that outflows or cash outflows, their disbursements, are actually minimized to a certain extent so that they will be have more cash within their possession. But at the same time, they're also asking for deferments of utility bills, deferment of taxes, because paying them would actually decrease their cash position more. That's why across the different respondents as well, they were also asking for alternative sources of debts, those that are actually possible interest-free or low interest, or those that are actually subsidized. A lot of them actually felt that one of the significant impact of COVID-19 on their businesses, on their livelihoods, on their personal finances, is actually the loss of cash. Because what they experience is that there's a decrease in cash that comes in, there's a decrease in revenues, there's a decrease in salaries, there's a decrease in the amount of money that gets into their pockets, but their expenses remain the same. So that's why they actually wanted to ensure that they will not be able to pay more so as to be able to balance out with the decreasing amount that they're actually receiving either from sales or from salaries. What does this mean on the part of government? So if you look at these three realizations, I think I would agree with the different respondents that we surveyed that government should put a premium on ensuring that the spread of the virus will be contained. All of them are aware, and I think me as well, I'm aware that any increase or any significant increase in the number of people that contracted the virus will lead to more stringent measures in terms of mobility and therefore reduce in the number of operating hours for some businesses, a reduction in workers, and a significant decrease in revenues. Second, I think government should continue supporting the liquidity position of our businesses, our residents, our vendors, tricycle drivers. 
because their inability pay their debts to buy more for their business or to even buy for sustenance of their families will significantly impact the whole economy. Finally, I think governments, local government, the private sector, and even ordinary citizens have to help each other in this pandemic. It's not only the job of government to contain the spread of the virus. We should also do our part by restricting our movement, by practicing physical distancing, by washing our hands often, by not congregating in public places, and so on. We have to do our part. We also have to do our part, especially in patronizing local producers, local traders, so that they will be able to continue operating their businesses. Private sector should also ensure that they are adhering to the strict protocols imposed by government. We know that restaurants, for example, are open these days. And we have seen, because I'm also a diner myself, that there are several restaurants that are not actually taking protective measures to heart. I've been to a restaurant, for example, where some of the workers actually don't wear masks anymore or wear their masks with their nose, with their noses actually exposed. In the same way, government should also ensure that not only is it implementing strict measures, but they're also supporting efforts that will help everyone, businesses, workers, employees, or ordinary residents to withstand this crisis by supporting them, extend their liquidity position, injecting resources to the local economy, and ensuring that the health workers are protected and the healthcare system is ready to actually deal with the pandemic. So this ends our episode for today, and I hope you got something out of this process. And in the next episode, we will end up with a few recommendations for the local government of the city of Tagbilaran to consider in its fight against COVID-19. Bye and talk to you soon. Stories in Numbers